A kiss on the hand may be quite continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. A kiss may be grand, but won't pay the rental on your humble flat or help you at the auto map. Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hello. Normally, this is a show where each week, Ash and I, we would talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters, but due to the pandemic and social distancing, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching here at home. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Marilyn Monroe, and specifically three of her most well-known films. Uh, The first is Gentlemen Prefer Blondes from 1953. The second is The Seven Year Itch from 1955. And the last is Some Like It Hot from 1959. And now uh, Marilyn Monroe, she died at the age of 36. And by that time, she had appeared in 29 films. Wow. And yeah, uh, I mean, for such a short-lived life, her legacy casts quite a long shadow. She died decades before you and I were even born. But she remains to this day one of the most enduring screen icons uh, of all time. I mean, enduring screen icons, I guess that's the the more eloquent way of saying sex symbol. Yeah, that was certainly part of her appeal. But I mean, there's a lot of sex symbols who aren't movie stars. You know, she died of a drug overdose, right? And so back then, the studios, they contracted actors and actresses out. Like, you have to do 10 movies with us. Yeah. In a matter of, you know, three years. That's how it was back then. It wasn't a per-movie deal. You made a contract with the actual studio. You didn't make a contract with a production company or anything like that, like per film. Right. And I think, yeah, one of her first contracts was with 20th Century Fox, and that was a studio where she made uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which we're going to talk about. I mean, she had a, um, a pretty colorful life, we'll say. I mean, we could have a whole separate podcast just talking about Mar- Marilyn Monroe's personal life. Yeah. I mean, she lived quite a life and just died just tragically very early. But at the end of the day, like, she had such a fear about losing her... Her looks. Her looks. And, you know, honestly, when, like, I don't think she would have wanted to age. And, yeah, and clearly, I mean, you know, watching her acting throughout these three movies, you know, it's clear that she wanted to present herself as perfection, yes. right? Like, I mean, no flaws yes. on this woman as perceived in these films. And, uh, yeah, I don't think she would be doing a lot of acting roles as, like, a, an, an older woman, I don't think. <laughs> well, and She'd I, retire at some point. Well, yeah, and I think that there was a lot of complaints on her uh, for her being on set because, like, she was late or she wouldn't show up to set or she wasn't ready. She, she had, had a lot to, of problems. She had to feel 100% ready to go out there and, and ready as far as making herself ready Feeling confident, yeah. feeling comfortable. I mean, she was not somebody that would. It was just go, ready to go at the no. drop of a hat. She and had to be worked up into yes. it. Yeah, yeah. We called them uh, difficult actors. Yeah, that's and yeah, and she was yeah by all accounts uh, a pretty difficult talent to yeah. work with. But clearly, she had something. I mean, you know, like I was saying, I mean, there's a lot of you know beautiful women out there, women who are considered sex symbols, but they don't translate to movie stars. Uh, automatically. I mean, no. a lot of beautiful women who aren't movie stars. Yeah. So she, you know, I, I I believe she had something that goes, you know, beyond just her looks. She had some kind of spark to her. She that, did. I mean, that she made her watchable on the big screen. She she had that it factor. 
But, you know, she was typecast for a certain character. I mean... Certainly in these three films, she's playing just minor variations of the same character, which is like the ideal image of the perfect woman is is who she's playing. And just kind of slightly stupid and innocent is how she plays it. But I think that's... uh, I mean, I think she's aware of what she's doing. Of course she is. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Uh, The IMDb plot summary reads... Showgirls Lorelai Lee and Dorothy Shaw travel to Paris, pursued by a private detective hired by the suspicious father of Lorelai's fiance, as well as a rich, enamored old man and many other doting admirers. And this movie, it has a ninety-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, <laughs> because diamonds are a girl's best friend. Yeah, that iconic musical number comes from this movie. Yes! And it's, yeah, I mean, there's a number of great song and dance numbers in yes! this film, but that one comes kind of later on towards the end. And it's it's a showstopper. I mean, it's a great number. And it, even people who haven't seen this movie have probably seen that number in clips. Well, I mean, for me, like, I've, I, I've never seen this movie before. And yes, I have seen, you know, the Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend number. Oh, yeah, let's, let's say up front, like, uh, yeah, I hadn't seen this either. The only one of these movies that I had seen is Some Like It Hot. Yeah. And these were all new for you. All new for me. Yeah. So there's a lot of discovery watching these movies. I'm going to be honest. I'm a fan. Of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Gentlemen Prefer Blondes is going to be kind of on my top list of movies (laughs) um, of my favorites. (laughs) And why, why is that? What did you like? I just loved it. This woman who's unapologetically going after rich men. And she is... That's Marilyn Monroe's yeah, character. Yeah, that's Marilyn Monroe's character. She, she wants love, but she, she knows she wants wealth. Yeah, at the start of this movie, you know, Marilyn Monroe and Jane Russell, they play showgirls. And Lorelai, like you said, she's definitely a gold digger. And she's engaged to this guy named Gus who comes from a wealthy family. And Gus is... He's kind of, kind of a nerdy type. He is a nerdy type, yeah. And so Gus's dad, he doesn't approve of Lorelai. He kind of sees through her. He sees her as a gold digger. <laughs> it's not hard to see this. I mean, she's very obvious. Well, it's she's about un- her intention. She's unapologetic. I yeah. mean, like she knows what she wants. You don't have to read between the lines. She yeah. says it over and over. <laughs> she sings a song about it. Yeah. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he doesn't like Lorelai. And they're all supposed to sail to France together. And that's where they're going to get married. But Gus's dad, uh, he convinces his son not to go and instead hires a private investigator to spy on Lorelai. So, yeah, I mean, they, they go on this boat and pretty much instantly, you know, like you were saying, she starts flirting with this wealthy old man named Piggy. Piggy. And, I mean, and this guy's married. You yeah. know, I mean, his wife is witnessing all of this. She doesn't like it. And yeah, it's just, it's about just like the shenanigans of like this private investigator yeah. trying to get some dirt. And, and, and she, like, the piggy ends up giving her his wife's tiara, but then his wife reports it stolen, and piggy doesn't back her up, and... Well, and then at the end, like, they don't have it, no. right? And no. there's this whole, it gets like... stolen again. Well, doesn't... Piggy steals it back? Yes, he does. Right. There's this whole kind of, like, protracted, like, courtroom situation. Yeah. And where, like, Jane Russell is impersonating Marilyn Monroe for, for a scene... And I'll uh, tell you what, I love Jane Russell. I mean, sure. she's great. Both she's, of them are great in this. They're singing and dancing. They're looking great. All of the all the musical numbers here are are pretty spectacular. Yeah. And I, you know, after we saw this, I was just trying to like think about 
like what makes this so much more entertaining than something like West Side Story, which we talked about a few weeks ago, which we did not like. And I mean, they're both from around the same era. Uh, but one of them is like genuinely entertaining, and the other, uh, you know, you and I both thought it was yeah. just kind of a drag. It was a drag. I mean, West Side Story was trying to be something that it wasn't. I mean, for starters, it's a full hour longer. Yeah. Like this gentleman preferred blondes. This is like a nice ninety-five minutes or something, nice and tight. It, I it's mean, paced they, they, a lot better. The story was better. I mean, there was actual like. Yeah, West Side Story just didn't have the pacing. Intrigue. It didn't have the pacing. And there's so many uh, just like solo ballads yeah. going on in that movie. Solo ballads on film, not thrilling. Yeah. Not thrilling. If you're going to do a musical number, I mean, get the, the extras, get the elaborate choreography, and let's make a number out of it. But yeah, not me. I'm not like, a, I mean, I'll watch a ballad on, you know, like a music video or something or <laughs> on like a live performance. I don't want to see it in my movies. But it's. <laughs> If it's the right timing, it's the right pace. It's if it's, it's got to be right, right, the right song. The right song. I mean, it's got to fit into the story. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into a ballad. I'll take a ballad in like a Disney cartoon. Yeah, but live action, you got your work cut out for you. I mean, there's there's a lot of things you have to do. Yeah, and and you know the box checked off. Yeah, off a list. Just a single person singing for several minutes straight isn't inherently compelling. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, back. <laughs> but yeah, back to this movie. Yeah, this movie it just it it has a great pace, a great energy, and it's just it's a real old just, old school Hollywood spectacle. It is. It's fun. It's lighthearted. I mean, it doesn't take anything too seriously. It, it's great. It's great fun. This was a nice surprise. Neither of us had seen it. I mean, we we were both very entertained by this. I, like I said, this is going to be at the top of my favorites list. It's a good date movie, I would say Definitely for sure. Definitely good yeah, date. There's plenty here for guys to enjoy. Oh my God. I just, really? I, there's plenty. I mean, it's Marilyn Monroe. Lots of eye candy here. <laughs> so, yeah, plenty of eye candy. And yeah, the two stars are great. And it's 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 a great time. Yeah, I'll give this uh, an A. I would too. It's 100%. Let's take a, a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about The Seven Year Edge. <laughs> All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about The Seven-Year Itch. The IMDb plot summary reads, When his family goes away for the summer, a hitherto faithful husband with an overactive imagination is tempted by a beautiful neighbor. And uh, this movie uh, came out in 1955, and it has an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, your face. How is that possible? I mean, that is a good question. Like, how is this a well-received movie? <laughs> well, I, how is this a well-remembered movie? I mean, I can imagine maybe in 1955 this movie is considered like a cutting-edge, like sex farce comedy. I mean, it, I mean, it, obviously it's a movie around the seven-year itch, and, this, and that means you know when you're in a marriage for seven years, you know, at that seven-year mark, you feel. Like there's, you know, grass is greener on the other side, so gotta, to speak. Got to get your cheat on. Got to get it on and got to scratch yeah. that itch. Yep. And then come back. And then obviously the heat makes it 10 times worse. The movie kind of labors the point that this is like uh, middle of the summer and it's really hot. I don't know what the significance of like this being a hot summer is. People well, act crazy it, during I, the heat. I think it's just. It just you makes know, this point over and over. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's during a heat wave or whatever in the middle of the city. She it's comes the down a- AC. They don't have AC. She comes down to his apartment for the AC. That yeah. that's the whole okay motivator. So yeah, it's this guy played by this this actor Tom Ewell. 
this is basically a one-man show, and he's just wandering around his apartment, just monologuing everything. Talking to himself. Sometimes with really bad movies, you get a like a sinking feeling very early on, like just in the opening scenes, like ooh, this is this is not going to be good. And I got that pretty much as soon as he started monologuing every single thing that he did, like I, going into a room, yeah, he, like just talking about his feelings, talking about I guess I'm going to pour I myself a glass a, a here. Drag, and I, and My I wife doesn't want me to smoke, so I got to lock it away. And da, 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 da. I mean, I think he's pretending that his wife is there because he's lonely. He's hallucinating yeah. at certain points. I mean, this guy is this guy's in bad shape, just mentally. <laughs> uh, like, if you're just wandering around your apartment uh, talking to yourself, you have, you have problems. Yeah. So he's just, yeah, he's an imaginative guy who kind of is itching to get his fuck on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, lo and behold, his neighbor happens to be Marilyn Monroe. And she doesn't even have a, a character name in this movie. No, she, she's called, I think, The Girl. She, yeah, she's just Girl. This was apparently this was adapted from a, a stage play, and you can tell because the whole thing takes place in his apartment. Yeah, and it's just—I mean, this is a rough ride. I mean, this is like an hour forty-five. This isn't the nice, tight ninety-five minutes that Gentlemen Prefer Blondes was. So this just, yeah, this feels like this an is eternity. Like what, two hours? An hour forty-five. Okay. It feels like an eternity because we're just we're stuck in this apartment with this very uncharismatic leading man. Who's just monologuing like he's Woody Allen or something? Well, and I think he was cast because he did this actual stage play. So that's he the only was way it makes sense. And this is his signature this role. Play. This is his signature role. This is what he has been trained to do, which is even sadder. <laughs> well, no, I mean, look, this movie it's directed by Billy Wilder, yeah, a great filmmaker, and he's starring with Marilyn Monroe. You know, one of the biggest stars at the time. But so this is a big, a big really shot for him. Introduce her until like twenty. Maybe thirty minutes into the f- into the movie, she's very much a supporting character here, and yeah. she's you know I would say she's probably like the best thing about this. I mean, one hundred percent. I she she's like good it. in this, but she's not enough to carry it. So it really is just all this guy, this Tom Ewell. <laughs> it's it's just it's garbage. It, this is a garbage movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, hate, I hate to say, it, especially like anything directed by Billy Wilder. But there's there's nothing going on here. I mean, the it's only, such a big come down from only, the last movie. I know the only good thing about this movie is that in the end he realizes that he needs to be with his family, and he ends up going to where his family is. The last shot is him like running out, yeah. or something. Does he like pick a fight with a guy at some point? Yeah, because he thinks that the guy is having an affair with his wife. Was that real or imaginary? That's real. Okay. And the guy was just coming up to pick up the paddle. This guy is not fun to be around. No. Like, he's just... Complains all the time, like, talking to himself, like, oh, my wife, I didn't tell her about all these times that these women have been hitting on me, and blah, 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 and I could have gone and done something in our marriage, but I didn't because I am such a stand-up boy. It's like being trapped in an apartment, like, in a cramped cramped apartment with Woody Allen. Yes. It (laughs) is... Is what All this right. is, and it's it's that uncomfortable, and you just you want to be anywhere else, but uh, no, I mean that that's really that's the movie. It's just him, just kind of just rambling on, having his uh, external monologue, and you know uh, just wrestling with himself. Is he gonna you know make a move with Marilyn? At one point, he does like force himself on her. Yeah, <laughs> just completely forces himself on her, and um, 
Yeah, this is a, a waste. I, I'm I'm shocked. It is, a, it is a waste. I'm shocked that this was directed by Billy Wilder. I, I mean, I really... Like, this was one Billy Wilder movie that I haven't seen. I mean, there's a number that I haven't seen. But everything else that I've seen from him is a classic. Yeah. Uh, I, it's shocking how bad this is. I, I can't believe... Like like you said, I can't believe this had like an 86% on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, I just can't believe that. When we've seen movies that are much better than this... Well... That have like fifty percent. I mean, West uh, West Side Story yeah. has a high uh, tomato score. Everyone it's regards like... that as a classic. I mean, that won Best Picture. I mean, you know, sometimes people remember things wrong. But this is, yeah, there is. I guess we should talk about the one iconic scene, and that was, I guess, one reason I wanted to see this. The one iconic image that Marilyn is associated with, with like the air coming up through the the grate in that the ground, really sucked. Yeah. There I, was nothing. Most like, people are familiar with that image yeah. where like it blows her dress up. She's wearing and a she, white dress, the like white a beautiful dress. white dress. Yeah. And it, yeah, it blows her skirt up. And yeah, iconic image. That's from this movie. And that's a moment that happens here. But you don't even get like a full frame shot of it. You don't get a wide shot of it. No. It's just, yeah, it's just angled down towards her feet. And you just see the dress blow up and that's it. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> It's just weird because, like, it, I feel like we've seen it recreated so many times and, yes. like, and wide, you know, where you see, like, the full body. But in this movie, you just see it at an angle. And so the, that even that moment feels diluted. It, it really does. And I'm, I'm so upset with that, too. I think, you know, <laughs> I, when that moment came, I was like, oh, it's coming, it's coming. And then I'm just like, is that it? Right. Like, that can't be it. Like, it's, we're going to get another shot. Well, we're going to get another shot. <laughs> it's going to get a flashback or something. You know. I mean, I, that's not really the movie's fault, I, I guess. I mean, it's just, it's inspired so many recreations. And so that's that's kind of the baggage that we had watching it. You know what I mean? Yes. So, but yeah, that's anyone who watches this movie, you know, looking forward to that moment. It's You're going to be a little disappointed. Yeah, it's a letdown. It's just another letdown. This whole movie's a letdown. And um, there's really not much much more to say about it. No, I, mean, I definitely give this movie kind of a, a DF. Mm. Yeah, I'll give it a D plus, and the plus is really just for Marilyn. Yeah, she plays her character, and she plays her character very well. She's playing the desirable female, the dumb, desirable, right. sexy. She delivers all of her lines, yeah. pretty much the same delivery, kind of at a like a whisper, kind of breathless a little bit. Yes, Mister President. <laughs> it's like that, just every single line. This is why she needed a lot of like buildup yeah. to get out on set. I mean, it takes a lot of energy to channel that for every single But I'll line. tell you what, I want to be her for Halloween this year. <laughs> from all these movies, I mean, you got a number of inspirations to choose from. Yeah. I mean, she's really rocking the wardrobe in yeah. all three of these films. So, uh, yeah, so this was not a good date movie. No. I mean, I'll say this. I mean, you're talking about a seven-year itch. You're talking about cheating on your spouse and in a marriage, like the whole entire movie, and then being tempted by a you know scandalous blonde. And I would tell you, I'm like, I'd be so mad at you, even though it was so innocent. If you had somebody sleeping at your house, inviting like the neighbor over, yeah, just cool down, have a cocktail. Yeah, sure. But this guy, he he stays strong. He does. He doesn't cheat. So I guess if you don't count him, like when he forces himself on her. Oh yeah, he does kiss her. Because that's, I mean that that. But I guess that's not nothing. If she would have allowed it to happen, he would have. He forces himself on her, yeah. pins her down on the ground, and is like, oh, oops. Borderline sexual assault. Yeah. So, 
That's who we're hanging with. Enough set. In this movie. <laughs> so yeah, this is a, yeah, a, an unfortunate miss. But um, why don't we take a, a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about Some Like It Hot. <laughs> All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about Some Like It Hot. The IMDb plot summary reads, After two male musicians witness a mob hit, they flee the state in an all-female band disguised as women, but further complications set in. And this movie, it has uh, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was nominated for a number of Oscars, and it won Best Costume Design. And uh, Oh, I can see that. Uh, Jack, Jack Lemmon was nominated for Best Actor. Billy Wilder, nominated for Best Director. And, um, yeah, Best Cinematography and uh, Best Writing. Yeah, this was uh, this was a well-regarded movie, and it's a movie that's endured over yeah. the decades. So, uh, I mean, this is probably her most well-regarded film. It's yeah, I gotta say, I hadn't seen this in a, a long time. It was good times. And after you know the abysmal seven-year itch, yeah, I was kind of worried. Like, is this movie gonna hold up? I mean, the same director. <laughs> well, I don't know what happened with seven-year itch. But I hope this movie is still good, and yeah, it is. It is still pretty great. It's one of the great comedies. I and I think it's 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 ahead of its time too, because you had you know Men in Drag. I mean, that was definitely unheard of back in the fifties. There was a couple of actors that actually turned down the lead role because they didn't want to dress up in drag. You know, I guess where our previous film really felt dated in its comedy. And in just uh, depictions of male-female relations, this movie, uh, surprisingly, it, it doesn't. It must have felt pretty daring at the time. When I was watching this, I'm thinking, like, back in, like, 59, this must have been, uh, like, a fairly risque movie. And I think it was released, like, without any rating certificate. Yeah. Because I think the whole concept of men in drag was just going to break the code. Yeah. <laughs> it can't have it. But it's, I mean, the drag element is handled in a way that's, that feels, I mean, over the top, certainly, yeah. but tasteful in but, a way. It's not tacky, I guess. It's not, it's not tacky. So this movie is just very, like, non-judgmental, I, I guess, about what, uh, what it's depicting, which, is, which feels really rare from that era. Well, and it has an all-female traveling band which is kind of unheard of back then, too. Right. I mean, you know, all these females that are by themselves. I mean, they've got a band manager and they've got like a, a mom overseeing all of them. But it's still ahead of their time. I mean, a lot of women didn't work back then. They expected a certain lifestyle or they expected to be in the house, in the kitchen, making babies. Yeah, I mean, the women in this aren't really, like, domesticated housewives. No, I mean, they're, they're drinking, they're cursing, they're yeah. just having some fun. So another el- element where it felt progressive, I guess, with the times. Yeah. Especially in the 1950s, yeah. for sure. But yeah, this movie, it takes place in, uh, like, Prohibition-era Chicago. And our two leads, Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis, uh, they're musicians who work at a speakeasy, which is owned by a gangster. Yeah. And uh, so they witness uh, like a mob hit and basically a, like a mass murder is what they witness. They, <laughs> like multiple yeah. people getting gunned down. I mean, a gang, <laughs> I mean, a mob hit. <laughs> and uh, these scenes, these mob scenes kind of reminded me of like Dick Tracy. Yes. Just a little, a little over the top yeah. and cartoonish, a little exaggerated. <laughs> it's that, it's got that kind of Dick Tracy vibe. But after they witness this murder, they escape by disguising themselves as women 
and joining up on this all-female band, which is heading towards Miami. And it's on this train there that they meet Sugar, yep. who's played by uh, Marilyn Monroe. I mean, seriously, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm like, okay, you, you couldn't have named her or something else besides, like, Sugar Cane. <laughs> <laughs> Kowalski. Sugarcane Kowalski. Kowalchik. 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 <laughs> Sugarcane. It's ridiculous. But that's that's what we're going with. She le- she leans right into it. She does. It's great. Even when I mean when she's introduced, like the first couple scenes, like we get like uh, like like sassy saxophone on the soundtrack. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's the majority of this movie is just kind of the, the pseudo love triangle that develops between them. And then Tony Curtis, in one of the movie's most brilliant strokes, <laughs> he, you know, he decides to like raise the stakes of the game by creating a character. And he's basically uh, imitating Cary Grant yes. during this. <laughs> but he creates this character where he's like a... An a millionaire. Air, he's an heir to the shell corporation. <laughs> yeah. And he dresses like a sailor. And he talks like Cary Grant. Yes. Is this character. <laughs> shell Oil Jr. <laughs> is how he's credited. But that's... Yeah, that's... I, I, and I had totally forgotten about that aspect. But yeah, that happens in like the second half. And that's, I mean, there's just so much additional mileage the movie gets yeah. out of that. And it's, yeah, it's it's just one of the great comedies. And so much of it comes from the casting. You know, the previous film blew it with the casting of the lead. You know, that previous film, Seven Year Itch, you could see it working almost yeah. with someone like a Jimmy Stewart. You just, you need a real actor there to hold it down. And this movie has, I mean, some of the best actors yes. of that era. But yeah, this movie, it has uh, Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis, uh, who are given just two legendary performances here. They're both uh, absolutely great in this. I agree. I mean, you know, the casting was so on point. I found it just fabulous. And the, and the guys really went into the cross-dressing and really became females. You know, the they, they did look like males. I mean, you could definitely see their Adam's apple. I mean, it sure. wasn't like a hidden thing. I yeah, mean, I wouldn't say they're really pat- pulling this no. off to any credible degree. But they're giving it their all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I think you were saying, that I appreciate that the drag element, the cross-dressing element isn't just played for laughs. You know, in those opening scenes, they kind of lean into the gag element, but they're still playing characters and you see them kind of grow as characters and evolve as characters. Yeah. So it's not just like cheap gags and um, sugar and, you know, junior oil. They um they they get like a genuine romance going, and I I mean I I thought they had some real chemistry. Yes, yeah. uh, there was so one line's like, "How did you learn to kiss like that?" And then she's like, "Oh, I was selling kisses for milk money." <laughs> Where did you learn to kiss like that? I used to sell kisses for the milk fund. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. So, yeah, and that, you know, their romance, uh, it becomes another rooting element in in this movie and another thing that you're kind of rooting for and that you have an investment in. And, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, great performances, uh, great writing. Yeah. Billy Wilder, I mean, back on his game after whatever the hell Seven Year Age was. God. (laughs) Back on his game. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, I mean, just a home run. It's, you don't, 
you don't see too many comedies that like still work and generating laughs no. 60 years after they premiere. So, I mean, you know, the, the movie that kind of comes into mind when you're talking about movies that are like this now and, and Hot Chicks comes to mind that it was done very poorly. Hot Chicks? Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the Hot Chick? The Hot Chick or whatever, yeah. With, with Rob Schneider? The Wayne Brothers? Oh, White Chicks. White Chicks. There you go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I would not I would not have made that comparison. Some like it hot to white chicks. Okay, it's been a no, while since I've seen white chicks. There was, a, there was a comparison, but I'm just saying like the drag aspect of two men who obviously are not females. Right. I mean, comedy has been dumbed down considerably, but you know, it's uh, like we saw with Seven Year Itch. Not every comedy from the fifties was like a class act, so there were some duds from the fifties. Yeah, yeah. This is just a classic comedy in the way it's constructed and in the way that it just it brings out the best in its performers. I feel like that's that's something a comedy should do. Like, uh, I mean, whoever's whoever's inhabiting these characters. The movie should be a showcase for their talents. And this movie, it allows each actor to shine in their own way. Each actor gets their own moments. They get to shine. And it's a great showcase. So I'm, I'm reading on IMDb right now that the resort scenes are filmed at the Hotel Coronado in San Diego. In San Diego? Yeah. <laughs> We've been there. We've been there. It's a great hotel. Yeah. Really nice hotel. Well, you because bet. it's a good area. I mean, that location is phenomenal. Well, kind of private, yeah. from what I remember. Like, it's its own little island. Yeah. That's a great place to make a movie. Right? Make a classic comedy. <laughs> That's well, how you do and it. And it's, it's pretty much all shot at this hotel. So, well, like, the second, all you the do second is half. Sh- shut the hotel down, and that's pretty easy from location perspective. The bulk of it really is on the train in the first half, and then at this resort in the second half. Yeah. But it, I mean, the movie, the movie makes it all work. It has a, a fairly high body count for, for a <laughs> well, comedy. Well, for the mobsters, yeah. The mobsters are all killing each other. Yeah. I feel like nowadays, like, those murder scenes would be played more graphically. Like, yes. you'd see, like, squibs and blood flying. And it wouldn't be funny. Like, it would ruin the comedy. Yeah. If you're showing, like, graphic mob hits <laughs> and then, like, going, going for cross-dress and laughs. I guess, you know, what I'm saying is, like, it takes a deft hand behind the camera to kind of pull that off. Yeah. And this movie this movie does. And it, it still holds up, which is remarkable. So, um... I definitely feel like this movie is a date movie. Yeah. 100%. I would rate it an A. Yeah. I mean, this is another hit knockout for um, Marilyn Monroe. And, yeah, it just it holds up fabulously. You know, watching these three movies... And there's definitely more that I want to see after this. Watching these three movies, I can see her appeal, and I can see what made her great and what just made her so watchable up on the screen. Well, and what I love it, about Marilyn Monroe is that she wasn't the stick figure. She had curves. I mean, they, they accentuated the curves. I mean, nowadays, I feel like society really just is all about the really skinny female and... You know, looking like a little boy, and I just I can't. Like the Kira Kira Knightley. Yeah. Right. The Kira Knightley look, and I'm just like that's not an attractive look for me. Or the you know Kristen, what's her face, Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why she was a, a sex symbol, and she's been a sex symbol for a long time because she 
didn't look like everybody else in the movies. Yeah, I, I love watching her. And watching these movies was, with one exception, a, a lot of fun. And that's uh, that's our show. And you can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash movie date night, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at DN Movie Podcast, and you can also email us at date night movie podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.